There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you'll only look Then you will see On WCN-TV friends welcome to wcn tv we've been on a hiatus rob brought the show back last week and i'm rusty this is my first time back after well a month off so thank you for joining us today wcntv.net you can go there and join the interactive huddle be a part of the conversation with the guests that we have on uh week by week i would encourage you to do that get a little bit more insight uh, in the conversations that we have today, uh, we are blessed and honored to have Dr. Deborah Miller with us. Let me start with a quote, and this this should get cheers from all of you that have joined us today, and and a a, a huge round of applause because I was certainly encouraged when I read this myself. Dr. Miller states that parents have the ultimate right to determine what their children are learning in school. Amen. Amen. We cannot, cannot abrogate our parental responsibility to bring up our children, which means to be aware and involved in every aspect of their lives. This is not news to any of you, but in some public school districts, teachers and administrators are trying to keep parents out of any decision making. In fact, parents are viewed as being, well, nuisances. (laughs) They're, 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 well, can I say it? Domestic terrorists. Doesn't that just, well, infuriate you? Mm -hmm. That, That parents are now described, parents who are concerned and interested in making sure that their children are receiving a proper education, which today would include uh, avoidance of such things like critical race theory and LGBTQ indoctrination and curriculum and so on and so forth. Dr. Miller believes that we have been so focused on children's physical safety that we've missed the other and perhaps greater aspects, the social, emotional, spiritual, and intellectual needs that they have. Dr. Miller serves as an educational consultant working with Christian schools on mission development and implementation, board training and teacher development. She's worked in education since 1986, serving as a teacher from grade five to postgraduate programs. She founded and ran a teacher education program, served as a school administrator and regional director for a major Christian association. You can find out more, and I would encourage you to go to Dr. Miller's website, DebraJAMiller.com. DebraJAMiller.com. Deborah, welcome to WCN TV. Thanks so much, Mike. It's really a pleasure and joy to be here. I've been looking forward to the. You talk about a timely conversation. This is a subject that is timely for Americans right now. Uh, here's another quote to get us started, Deborah. 
I'm quoting you. Okay. <laughs> As Christian parents, our greatest goal ought to be to see our children become devoted followers of Jesus Christ, ones who are firmly committed to love God and love their neighbors. Clearly, that's not happening in public schools because they often undermine our Christian values and push impressionable children to question what they are taught at home. And this is simply unacceptable. You comment, the progressive death grip is destroying public education. Wow, that is so true. And I applaud you for being very clear and and out front on this critical issue. So, Deborah, tell us for our our, uh, our viewers today, what got you involved? Because this is this is really cultural war, but but even beyond that, it's spiritual warfare. Right. We understand that. So so, what got you involved in this initially? Yeah, thanks for asking. Well, I think um, I think initially, I, I have been involved in Christian education as you as you read for for literally decades, mm-hmm. and. Um, it has become increasingly uh, apparent to me that as every generation gets out of the public school system um, and and goes off to liberal colleges and universities, that we have just we've created a society that no longer holds to traditional conservative values, and that's probably not a surprise to anyone listening. But we we forget that that's true. Um, for Christian conservative Christians as well, that just slowly it's the frog in the pot syndrome, right? So we we go to church on Sunday, maybe. What is the what are the stats now? Like one point eight times a month or something. Yeah. Um, and yeah. uh, we we may or may not read our Bibles very consistently. And uh, we so we we've, we've stopped doing some of those things that helped uh, keep those traditional Christian values foremost in our minds and and guiding our decision making. And so what you've got is I noticed that parents. Uh, the children that would enroll in, in these Christian schools, not only schools that I ran, but also in my role, uh, I ran a, I was over a five state region of Christian schools. So I got to visit lots and lots of schools, talk to dozens and dozens of school leaders and just the um, the shock and, of, being, um, of becoming aware that parents who enroll their kids in Christian schools had mindsets that you just that were quite shocking in terms of um how they were raising their children. And not all of those parents were Christian parents, but many of them were. And and seeing how they were parenting and the decisions they were making and the values that they believed, um, just, I really became concerned. If, if that's what's true in Christian schools, how much worse is it out in public schools um, where, you, where you have this just um, exponentially to greater degrees? Yes. So, yeah. So, how much everybody knows what we've been through the last two years as a as a nation yeah how much has the quote unquote pandemic changed things and could we say that in 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 a sense that what we've gone through in the in the last couple of years has really exposed some of the mm-hmm. agendas that were perhaps mm-hmm. hidden previously is that a fair statement yeah, I, yes, definitely. I think if there's any, any silver lining, and <laughs> I'm still not sure, and the jury's still out, if there's any silver lining in the pandemic, it is that, that a couple of, when those, when children were sent home, and when many parents were locked in, I think for the first time you had this, um, this perfect storm where parents watch their children try to learn online, um, heard what they were, they were, uh, their parent, what their teachers were teaching, looked at some of their textbooks, saw some of their handouts, um, listened to the kinds of projects being assigned. And, and it was cause for alarm. Um, even secular parents said, wait a minute, what, 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 what's happening here? Um, and I think eyes were really opened. You know, you can, we use all these euphemistic terms in education, right? It's been a joke for forever and ever for decades that education is just acronym heaven, right? There's just acronyms for everything in the field of education. And so, you know, we, we have been oblivious. I think as a society, parents really believe they could just drop their kids off at, you know, eight, 
between 8.15 and 9 and pick their kids up between 3 and 4 and that that everything that happened in that time block was was for the good of their child. And they really, I think, we just sort of blithely thought, oh, there's nothing but goodwill. And that my um, my child is being taught wonderfully helpful things to make them great citizens. Um, and and they realized when they got home and, and saw what their kids were learning, heard what their kids were, were hearing every day, they just went, what is happening? 1619 Project, critical race theory, sex education. Um, there is a an aggressive LGBTQ plus movement. Um, and it's coming through not just sex ed, not just the health curriculum, but subject after subject after subject. Um, and I, th I think it did. I think parents' eyes were awakened and they went, wait, time out, time out. I, I'm pretty tolerant, but I won't tolerate that. And I applaud parents for for finally standing up and saying, wait a minute, you're not teaching that to my child. So kudos to every parent who decided to take a stand. Amen, Deborah. I agree wholeheartedly. And, and everything that you just listed there, the 1619 Project, uh, CRT, um, LGBTQ+, and all of that in a, in a nutshell, and, and there, there are more, but all of that is the progressive death grip that, that, yep. that you defined and, and I read about or, or read, quoted you earlier. Um, and this has been, friends, as, as, as sad as it is to say, this has been going on for quite some time. Yes, but the point is, it's now it's been exposed. Now we have um, people running around trying to do damage control. Mm -hmm. Here's here's how serious of an issue this is, because of the pandemic and everything that that uh, Deborah just described. Friends, parents became aware of things that they they simply didn't know, and it 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 shocked them. And so the response was, the reaction from parents was that they started attending school board meetings, which they should. You, you as a parent, should be interested in, in what your local school is, is doing, um, what curriculum they're using, what textbooks they're using. And, and uh, Usama, I'm going to bring you in in a little bit because I want to ask you about textbooks and, um, and, and, and what's going on with that because I think you have a, a very – very good perspective uh, on a particular issue. But parents became aware of this, and so they started attending school board meetings. Now, as you can imagine, there were some parents who were very upset, <laughs> very upset about what they discovered. And uh, in their emotion, they get a little loud. <laughs> and and I, perfect, I, I understand that perfectly. I can be passionate, and when I get passionate, I get loud. Mm -hmm. So that's that's no harm, no foul, as far as right. I'm concerned. Um, but what happened was the progressives started pushing back, and they started trumping up charges and 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 making making a very incendiary comments and accusations about concerned parents who were attending school board meetings. Um, in fact, that led. That led, and I'd like your thoughts and comments, Deborah. That led to the Biden administration instructing the Department of Justice to engage the FBI and started doing investigations. and uh, And the Department of Justice actually used that phrase "domestic terrorist" to to define or, or, or describe parents who attended school board meetings and were upset. What are your thoughts about that, Deborah? Well, first off, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. They the FBI has no jurisdiction jurisdiction in a local school district. Um, states' Amen. rights, right? We know there's a, a a delineation between states' rights and federal rights, and education lands squarely as a state right. And so, at a local school board level, there is there is absolutely zero uh, rationale for the Federal Bureau of Investigation to be dipping their toes in this. If there's going to be any, I mean, if you, if there's a ruckus at a school board meeting, you call the local, the, the yes, local police right. and right. you have them come down and they stand up Mr. Jones and say, please use a civil tone. I mean, we, we've, we've lost our minds, but you know, I could argue that 
<laughs> I, I won't go there. I, I'll be I'll be nice. I'll, I'll use my, my manners. But it, it really is absurd. And I guess I would just say, and maybe we'll hear more from Hassan about this, but you know, we have a right as parents under federal law to see all instructional materials. And I'm eager to hear what he says about textbooks, but I would say under federal law, that's all instructional materials, handouts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, what YouTube clips are being used is regardless of format or context, we have a right to know what they are learning in every single subject, in any format, in any context. And so I think parents need to be really aggressive about checking that as often as they, they should, like every day, every week, whenever. But they, they've got to be on top of it because they're going to have to deconstruct what's happening in the schools. And I'm just... One example. So I don't know if you've heard of GLSEN. Are you familiar with GLSEN as an organization? Okay. So the, maybe for some of our listeners or viewers, that's the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network. Mm -hmm. I just went on their website earlier this week just to sort of see what's what's new in that land. This is an advocacy group for, for LGBTQ+. It's got chapters in 30 states. It's got more than 1.5 million members. They have... Um, they have a statistic on their website that says over 500,000 resources are downloaded by teachers and students each year. So teachers are accessing this website mm -hmm. to find materials and resources. And I just found this one thing and it, it seems a little bit harmless, but then you read down a little bit. It's just got these simple boxes. It's called a student information form, right? That sounds so harmless. Here's the information they ask. What name do you want to be called in this classroom? What pronouns do you want to be called in this classroom? And these next two questions floored me. As a parent, I would be furious. What name do you want me to use around your parents? What <sighs> pronouns do you want me to use around your parents? Wow. This, this form squarely sets the school up as the child's advocate, mm -hmm. driving a wedge between the parents who have a, a God-ordained responsibility and right for the for the care and well-being of that child and yet you're setting yourself up hey kids i'm your advocate so wink wink what do you want me to call you when the parent comes by i mean to me that was just one example i haven't even looked at all the rest of their resources yeah. <laughs> um but anyway i'll stop there and just say i think it's ridiculous i think um to call parents domestic terrorists is to do what I don't know what some politicians do very well. Put a spotlight. It's a tempest in a teapot. You put the spotlight on something that's completely innocuous while you're ignoring huge social issues. And I won't go into those now because, but we all know there's way bigger fish to fry. Yes. Yes. And Mr. Jones getting mad and too loud at a school board meeting. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and, and Hey, we may touch on those before we're done talking today, but, but anyway, um, this is how serious it is folks. Uh, Spencer, the uh, the link I sent, uh, McAuliffe's misstep, McAuliffe's misstep, if we could put that up. This is how serious it is. This was a conversation. It was during a uh, um, a debate between the two candidates, uh, Terry McAuliffe, the Democrat candidate in, in the state of Virginia, uh, was debating the Republican candidate, Glenn Youngkin. And... Um, Yunkin raised the issue of school systems refusing to engage with parents. And he, he gave an example in uh, Fairfax County, Virginia, um, where the school board was unaware of sexually explicit. And, and I, I made a decision not, not to play that clip, but it can be provided, uh, in the show notes, if, if, if you so desire um, to watch it. But I can tell you something right now. The, the young lady parent who, who, who read from that book, she didn't pull any punches. She read exactly what was in the book. And I've got to tell you something. The P, and she was right. She said, if you as the school board think this is okay for our kids to be reading and consuming and discussing in classrooms, you, every one of you should be on the sexual offender registry. How's that? That's how serious this situation is. So, so Yunkin brought this up and uh, infuriated people when they found out about it. And, and he said to McAuliffe during the debate, you believe the school system should tell children what to do. 
I believe parents should be in charge of their children's education. Now, McAuliffe responded, I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually take books out and make their own decisions. I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. (laughs) Well, he was speaking his heart. That's exactly what he thought. So before I move on and, and, and discuss briefly the results of that political bombshell, <laughs> Deborah, what are your thoughts? Well, first off, it just it just shows such incredible hubris, right? Just so much arrogance, um, which we which we get from sometimes the the elite, right? They mm-hmm. it, it belies a philosophy held by lots of progressives that they know best that mom and dad, you know, country bumpkins, what do they know? You know, um, we, we, we know best. We're the educated professionals, you know, we're the progressives. We know where this ought to be going. Um, and, and again, it's just, it, one of the readers or one of the viewers said a narcissist. Absolutely. Just, but again, I want our, I want our listeners outlet accidentally voiced nudge nudge believe behind closed doors like you know those the idiot parents the uneducated the ignoramuses we we know what's best for their kids and you know i think what parents have to understand is this philosophy isn't going to go away i don't think mcauliffe's um defeat is going to make them see the error of their ways i I think they're going to say wow we've got to be way smarter We've got to really manage our message so much better. Like we can hold these beliefs, but we can't actually show our cards because we're going to get parents, you know, showing more, showing up in mass at our school board meetings. And so I guess um, one of the things that I just, I feel like I'm, I feel like the Lord wants me to say is it, it's, if there was ever a time to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves, it is now. Yes. We, we can't be naive. We can't say, oh, he didn't really mean it. Or, oh, you know, hardly anybody really thinks that. I think we need to sit back and say, no, let's take a look. Let's let's be like the sons of Issachar, right? Let's understand the times yes. and then figure out what to do. Yes, yes. Now, so <laughs> after the initial shock and the, and the, and the pushback from parents, um, McAuliffe was interviewed sometime after that. And do you think he walk anything back and say, well, listen, he didn't. In fact, he, the political phrase is he doubled down. Here's what he said. He said, listen, we have a board of education working with the local school boards to determine the curriculum for our schools. You don't want parents coming in, in every different school jurisdiction saying, this is what should be taught here. And this is what should be taught there meddlesome parents basically is is what he's saying so what happened as a result of that well it's predictable those of us who 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 think rationally and logically we understand what's going on it was very predictable spencer virginia vote sends clear message (laughs) very clear message virginia showed that parents won't put up with being ignored by school boards. Deborah, one of the things that that we have to remind parents of today is that local school board, just like the people that we send to to our state capitals or to Washington, D.C., are sent to represent our viewpoints. They are our servants. That's the premise. That's the truth. That's the foundation. Somehow along the line in public education, they've forgotten that, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. I th- and I think, I, I, I always think it's wise to sort of step back and say, how did we get here? Like, so, you know, mm-hmm. learning those lessons from the past. Yeah. And I mean, let's face it, we, it, it's, it's really good for us to step back and say, okay, where, what's our part in this? How did we get where we are today? Um, it's, it's what I try to do when I read those Old Testament, you know, the Old Testament stories about the children of Israel. You know, when I was younger, you go, boy, what idiots. How do you not learn that lesson, right? <laughs> children of Israel, you've been around this mountain before. How do you make the same mistake? 
But as yes. I get older, right, I read those stories and I go, oh, yeah, I see myself there. Oh, yeah, I see the I see the, the temptation to sin and to be and to not get it. And so I guess, um, Dr. Mike, one of the things I realize is, you know, we we allowed public schools to become clearing houses for social services. They feed our children 12 months a year. They have after school programs. They give our children counseling. They give them, um, you know, medical care. I mean, now you can get birth control in many states without parental consent or even knowledge. And so, and, and we sort of just looked the other way. You know, mm-hmm. we, we didn't lean in and say, wait a minute, isn't it, isn't it my job to figure out how, how to feed and clothe and, and care for my children? And if I need help, what are the resources available? But we just decided that we would turn public schools into these clearing houses for public services. And we began to enable them to hand yes. over um, more and more of that decision-making responsibility. And, and the progressives were very glad to take it. All yes. right. We're, we're very happy to make lots of major decisions about the care and well-being of your child. Mm-hmm. And, but that doesn't mean that, that the fight is over. It doesn't mean that we just have to wave the white flag and say, okay, I guess it's too late. I think, as you've said, we now, we stick that white flag in the sand and we say, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's 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 right. And I know you're familiar with the initiative. It's 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 already been passed here in Ohio, unfortunately, um, and, and in other states as well. Uh, but the 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 latest Trojan horse is social emotional learning it does exactly what you just described, Deborah. It gives almost almost total control to to public schools, public educators over your child. The scary part is that now they're bringing in psychologists and psychiatrists and evaluations, and and all of this is going to be conducted on children with or without the parent's consent and and decisions and determinations based on these, these, these examinations are going to be used to craft further. Edu- I mean, the whole thing is just insanity at the highest level. Deborah, what, what have you as a Christian educator been sharing with, with parents, Christian educators and in, in school systems about the danger of these things? Because sadly, there are some Christians, I think, that that don't understand the 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 danger in in social emotional learning and that entire model. Yeah, and I, I think the the challenge is none of us would say that that the the social well being the emotional well being of children doesn't matter. Yes. I think we would all say that, and I, I I can tell you that hundreds of Christian schools have as part of their mission statement. Uh, a description of the of of raising a whole child, mm-hmm. um, the the holistic aspect of education, and that means you don't treat kids like brains on a stick, um, and you know that's so that's from from James K A Smith. He said, you know, we don't people are not brains on a stick, children are not brains on a stick, and so teaching the whole child is important. So addressing social and emotional well being, I think, is is fair game at a school. The problem is the agenda behind it. So yes. if I, as a Christian school administrator say, Hey, let's make sure as these children come back from the pandemic, um, cause we know adverse childhood experiences, ACEs as they're called, have a great impact on a child's ability to learn. I mean, that's just research based, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you have to deal with some of the trauma and the stress. I mean, I, I saw a statistic, um, that from, uh, April, 2020 to October, 2020, the national Institute of health, uh, crunch some numbers and the, the number of mental health visits to emergency departments of five to 11 year olds rose 24%. And for 12 to 17 year olds, 31% increase in emergency room visits due to mental health issues. So these are parents who took their kids to the emergency room to deal with an, a, a mental health issue, not physical health issue. And that was just in a six-month time period. Those are huge increases for yes. five, a five-year-old. Think about it. You took your five-year-old to the emergency department because of a mental health crisis. 24% more often from 
April 2020 to October 2020. So I, I throw out that stat to, just to say it's a it's a crisis. It's a real issue, the social and emotional health of children. But but as you pointed out, the agenda of a radical progressive movement is to use that umbrella to provide all kinds of, of, of training. You know, um, I'm sure many of your listeners are aware of opt-out clauses that, that are in many, many, many states, right? That you can opt your children out of sex ed, you can opt them out of HIV AIDS training, you can opt them out of some testing. And as I was just reviewing some of the opt-out, opt-in clauses, I found one site that said, you are not able to opt your child out of diversity and tolerance programs. That should scare you to death. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Not really, because we haven't been given a spirit of fear, but that should cause some concern. Yes. You should start saying, wait a minute, what? Anyway, I'm going on too long. I'll go ahead and give the mic back to you, so to speak. No, actually, that was very good, Deborah. (laughs) I could just sit and, 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 and listen to you continue. You're an educator. Your career, you've been devoted to this for your career. Um, what's happening, the true purpose, really, in public education, it's not learning. Right. It's actually shaping a worldview yes. in the students for a, for a future political outcome. This is this is serious, serious business that's going on right here. And one of them is I want to pull Usama in now on this question. Um, one of the ways or one of the avenues in which they're doing this, talking about a worldview and trying to. And when I when, when I talk about a worldview, friends um, and, and Harry, I see your hand raised. I'll be with you in just a second. Um, when we're talking about a worldview. We're talking about a a systematic way of thinking that enables a a person to make sense of all the data points, all of the big issue questions, if you will. Why are we here? What happens when I die? What's the purpose of life? You know, those kinds of questions. Every religious or philosophical system has a worldview. What's happening right now in our public education system is that our students are being taught a, a worldview. They're being, they're being propagandized. They're being indoctrinated into a worldview that is anti-God, anti-Christian, anti-family, traditional nuclear, biological man, biological woman, woman and their biological children and or adopted children. That worldview is is being destroyed intentionally. You already mentioned it, Deborah, but Usama, I want you to address this. This is coming in 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 large measure through curriculum and through textbooks, through textbooks, because kids are getting textbooks and they're reading and saying, well, it must be true. It's It's in my textbooks, in my school book. This is what the teacher's saying. This is what the school is saying. School curriculum, especially as it relates to, to world religions, Usama, mm-hmm. is big business. Textbook creators, it's really an industry. Yeah. They are intentionally, in my opinion, and feel free to correct me if, if I'm wrong, they are intentionally downplaying certain aspects of world religions and they are uh, glamorizing other aspects of world religions and they're sure. doing that to normalize and, I, and i'll just say it usama they're doing it to normalize and help the introduction and the indoctrination of islam into our schools right or wrong absolutely right you're absolutely right and uh, first uh, thank you for having me on your show today uh one of the things you mentioned earlier before i get to this because i really there's a lot about this on my heart when the people of virginia said we won't put up be, uh, was being ignored by the school board. I'm saying I, I would love to say to these parents, I'm sorry, you have chosen to be uh, put out of the school board because mm-hmm. you choose not to show up in this school board meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, brother, I've been involved in school board meeting now for literally a good 14 years. Uh, in depth, 12 years ago, when I start looking at material are put in our public schools by the Muslims for the hope of brainwashing our children all over this country to believe in Islam to be what it is not. So we got involved in that 12 years ago for real. 
in the uh, Scoport County in Port Charlotte, Florida, in Chicago, in uh, different place in Mississippi, different places all over this country, and uh, in the Scoport of uh, uh, Port Charlotte, we actually sent a letter to over 730 churches to make sure that the ministers with suits and ties will show up in our meeting to understand what's going on with our school board, uh, uh, where the agenda of Muslimizing our children. Muslimizing, it's a new word I invented, which means making our children becoming Muslims. Yeah. Not evangelizing because there's no, there's, there's no evangelism there. Well, out of the 730 some churches, we got zero, zero wow. minister to show up in that building, which is a huge building, enough for all of them to show up and sit in it. Wow. To that, only 35 parents or so show up in the meeting. And I told those who are organized that event, do not go to the school board. Do not talk to them. Oh, no, no, no. We will. I said, you are not qualified to talk. Brother, I'm talking about 12 years ago. You're talking about what happened last week. I'm mm -hmm. talking about 12 years ago. And I said, and I said, that was in the beginning of uh, Mr. Obama's uh, first term. And I said, the chance for you to stop this brainwashing of our children from our public school with this condition is zero. You might as well just let the Muslim have your children and your grandchildren and forget about it. Well, that group of people thought I was out of my mind and I, we cannot do that. So they went to school board meeting and they talked about what they want to talk about. They gave each one of those who would like to talk a good two minutes. Guess what? There's a Muslim lady in a hijab sitting as a board member in no. the poor Charlotte County, and she literally gave her final word, you're a bunch of Islamophobe, you're a bunch of ignorant, you're a bunch of stupid, and you have no right to be in that meeting. And guess what? The parents who show up were ignored, and until today, 12 years ago, until today, these lies are still taught in poor Charlotte County, and it will continue be to be taught all over America. We will not, let me say it again, America will not stop the Muslims from taking over our children because it's too late. As a matter of fact, I got a video we play in our presentation, Lies in the Textbooks, where we covered 15 lies. We picked up 15 lies out of 42 books, top books taught all over America concerning the subject of Islam, which is my expertise. And these lies will never be removed because we don't have ministers who show up on Sunday in the church with the suit and tie in front of the church, they will not attend the school board meeting. Not only I'm asking the, the, the parents, the Christian godly parents, and the Christian minister to attend the school board meeting, but to be the school board members who speak on the behalf of our, uh, our uh, children, which means they need to be in charge of the school board. And I'm sorry, I do not see any Christian born-again uh, men and women in reality, let me put it this way. In our churches, we don't have men in our churches to take responsibility of leadership. So forget about our men. They're not in the church. They're not in the choir. They're not in Sunday school class. And I'm not here uh, in the gray sorrowful heart. That's the reality. I've been living in this country now for 30 years. I know the church in and out. We got some women in our churches. Most of the liberal church have gay and lesbian running the church. But in our conservative, some ladies, God bless them, who are not very educated to do anyway uh, to fix a problem in, in our school board. So I know I talk too much, but let me share with you a couple examples, a couple examples of what our children are learning in our public school concerning the subject of Islam. He didn't go, go for example, in World Culture, a global mosaic, person in uh, Peterson Hall, 2004, on page 571. Now, when I give my uh, people in my conference who will come and attend, my presentation lies in the textbooks. And by the way, the whole entire presentation is available on our website, thestraightway.org, thestraightway.org. You can download MB363 radio broadcast, which I do on BCY. Here's what the, what the press, oh, I will make sure my children will never learn anything which is not biblically right. Brother Yusama, we thank you, but I take care of my kids. Parents, be realistic. You talk like a fool. No parents read books, have over a thousand pages to make sure that their children are learning facts in our public school. And even if you read this, sadly, our teachers who are reading it and teaching could not see anything wrong in it. Mm -hmm. And if you can read a thousand page book to make sure your kids are learning the truth, 
you might as well keep your children at home and teach them homeschooling. It'll be better for them. This is right. Yeah. Muslim believes that Allah is the same God as the God of the Jews and Christians. Muslim also believe in the final day of judgment. On that day, it's believed. This is it. The wicked will punish, will be punished with suffering, and the faithful will be rewarded with eternal life in heaven. I feel like I'm in a Sunday school class. Because the word eternal life in heaven does not exist, neither in the Quran, nor in the teaching of Muhammad the Hadith. It's not even a, an expression Muslims will use. You're talking about forever uh, 72 uh, virgin in the garden, not eternal life in heaven. But yeah. now, if we study the Quran, we found that Muslims believe in Allah, who is Satan. But in our public schools, we believe that Allah is God. Wait a minute. Have you ever asked any Muslim who believe in Allah to be God that they actually believe in Father, Son, Holy Spirit? No. The answer is no. As a matter of fact, the reason Allah ordered Muhammad and the Muslim believers to perform jihad against the Jews and the Christians is very simple. Because the Jews do not believe in Muhammad and in his Allah, and the Christians believe in God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Quran 5, 72, infidel indeed are those who said, surely Allah is the Christ, Son of Mary. So if you're a Christian watch us, watching us right now, and you believe that Jesus Christ is God Almighty, Son of Virgin Mary is God Almighty who came in the flesh. You are an infidel indeed. 573. Infidel indeed are those who said, Surely Allah is a third of three. So if you are watching right now and you believe that the God we worship is a Father, Son, Holy Spirit, a triune God, you're an infidel indeed. That's why Allah said in Quran chapter 47, verse 4, when you meet those who became infidels, when you meet the Christian, strike the next until you have made a great slaughter among them. Allah, the God of Muhammad in the Quran, is Satan. Allah is Satan. The best answer is just read Quran, chapter 1, verse 1. By the way, we have a full study. It's called Allah is Satan, Jesus is God. It's a good three-hour presentation. But Quran 1, 1 says, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, the praise be to Allah, the Lord of the worlds. Second Corinthians 4, 4, very clearly teaching us that the God of this world, the Lord of this world, is Satan. So this is just one lie, brother, they teach our children. And uh, whenever you feel like I can share a little bit more about some of the lies they teach our children in our yes. public schools in America. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Usama. Thank you for that. It occurs to me uh, that the issue talking about pastors and and I am one. So I perk up when I when I hear things about pastors. And you're absolutely right. I don't disagree with you at all. Pastors won't address the origin of the issues, the problems that we face. They seem to be content to just put band-aids on the symptoms. What happens as a result, and we're never going to change anything in America. We're never going to be able to defeat the, the enemies of God and of Christ yeah. and of the Christian church. Brother, brother, we're yeah. never going to do that yeah. if we don't address the origins. Sure. Sure. When I went to Chicago board, board meeting, I was invited by one of the board meeting, one godly lady, and the rest are a bunch of liberal and a black life matter lady there and Muslims. That's what it is. Yeah. I traveled all the way from Florida to Chicago. No kidding. I did not have enough time because he asked me to go and I said I will be there. Between my speaking engagement and being in Chicago was enough hours to drive and sleep, close my eyes for one hour and close my eyes for two hours. It's a long trip. And I made the meeting. And that wonderful lady requested from the board meeting. She told them, Mr. Dakdok traveled all the way from Florida yesterday to come here today. And I will request if you can give him 15 minutes to speak as an expert on the topic of Islam. Sure, they spent two, three minutes to vote yes or nay to allow me to speak 15 minutes. And guess what? It was 10 to 1. Literally, all of them said no, except she said yes, okay? She requested another request, which we wasted another four or five minutes to allow Mr. Dakduk to take 10 minutes. Once again, 10 to 1, we lost it. How about five minutes? Still the same. We talked about me to give me opportunity to speak for 10 or 15 or 10 or 5 minutes. Literally, we wasted 20 minutes. 
And the answer was zero. You know why? Because there was not one godly minister in the board meeting. All the board meeting, a bunch of people who know nothing about Islam, who care less about Islam, and we got the liberals and the black lady and the Muslim uh, lady and the rest of the no, There were no ministers there. I saw it as I'm traveling all the way from Florida to Chicago. There would be at least 50, 60 ministers of the churches there. No, nobody show up. Bunch of people who know nothing about it. And then they said three minutes like everybody else. Well, guess what? There were enough votes, enough people want to talk, more than 25. And the law said, if you have more than 25 people, only two minutes. So I will talk for two minutes. Half of the 35 people were, were supposed to talk were not there. They're just names on piece of paper, and they're not there because they call John Smith, Mr. John Smith. And they wait for 10 seconds. Mr. John Smith, last time we we'll call you, and John Smith is not there. I said, how in the world 35 people are supposed to talk in that board meeting when the meeting does not have 35 people? It was a comedy. The cheating of the election of 2020 is the same cheating in the school board meetings. They make up names to cut the people time, and nobody is there, and I could not talk to the people. I gave them my Quran, translations of the Quran, and the DVDs, the infiltration of Islam to America, and a small letter, and I said, at your convenience in your homes, you can watch that video, and you can read the Quran and see how good are you as a school board meeting for digging the graves for your children to be buried alive in your school boards, in your school, uh, uh, as a school board leader in your schools all over, not just Chicago, but the United States of America. And that is a reality. Yeah. The church is not involved. The fathers are not involved. Forget about the mothers. And I'm not a guy anti-women, but... The role of the of the protection, the role of the leadership, the head of the house is the father, not the mother. If you cannot get the godly minister in the school board meeting and the fathers in the school board meeting, you might as well kiss your school and your grandchildren goodbye. Yes. Yep. So true. Thank you. Thank you very much, Usama. Harry, uh, go ahead and ask your question. And then, Deborah, we're going to come back to you. Um, and, and we're going to lead off with here is what the media is not reporting. So here's some good news in the midst of all of this. But, Harry, what is your question, sir? Sorry, Deborah, the question is for you. As politically correct as you can, what type of parent now, – now, now, we've we've been an advocate for homeschool for years. But now that all this truth has come out, what type of parent is it? that keeps their child in that school. And second part of the question, do you have any numbers as to how many parents actually pull their children and put them into homeschool? Thanks for those for that question, Harry. Um, I, I think, let me talk about one kind of parent. Well, I'll talk about two. I think there are parents who, um, who don't feel like they have other options. They don't feel like they can homeschool because they need to work. Maybe it's a single parent home. Um, maybe resources are limited and they don't feel like homeschooling is an option and they, they, they can't find anything else. They can't afford Christian school. Um, and so they feel like their hands are tied and public school is the only, only place they're going to get their child educated. The second kind of parent um, are Christian parents. And I've talked to many of these parents who believe that, and, and I believe this is a, a misguided belief that their children should be salt and light in the public school setting. Um, and so they, they send their children into the public school to be salt and light. And, uh, and, and it's anybody's guess what, how that child is going to turn out. And I, I say especially now. I mean, I could tell you stories of five- and six-year-olds who are being asked to choose their gender pronouns. Five- and six-year-olds, what's your gender pronoun? Um, I, it, it's the things happening in, in the public schools are, are just unbelievable. And I also think it's important, um, Dr. Mike, that your readers know that there are many Christians that have feel like they've been called to serve on that battlefield as teachers in that setting. And I feel so much for them. They are warriors. They are doing everything they can to try to be that preserving, um, force uh, and so I just, I want, I think it's important to say that. So I just shout out to people who are trying to serve. They, be, they believe God's called them there, but 
But Harry, back to your question, there's some parents that really feel like, you know, hey, if all the Christians leave the public schools, you know, what's going to happen? And secretly, I just say, well, I don't know. Why don't we find out? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Which maybe isn't very kind. But um, yeah. and I believe in everything Osama said that, you know, we have got to, you know, fathers need to take their rightful place on the wall, speaking out, you know, it's time for them to really have their hearts turned back to their children in a way that that takes up that protective role. And um, and I would also say, as far as your question on statistics, it's funny you should ask that because I've tried to find some of the latest statistics on homeschool and I can't find any good data. Uh, I know um, just anecdotally in my area, Washington State, that that people are leaving the public school system in droves, in droves. And they're either putting them in private school or they're, or they're doing homeschool or they're trying to find homeschool pods. I was consulting a, a startup of, a, of a, an educational organization that matched licensed teachers with 12 students in a, in a steady pod. Um, and they are leasing space from class, from churches, et cetera. So I know that a lot of families are looking for alternatives. Um, and so I just don't think the numbers are accurate yet because it's it's too new. I also think, and this is just going to be me being a little bit of, I don't know, a conspiracy theorist. I, um, I think that the school districts are cooking the books a little. I think there's been a, a real um, leaving from public school and the numbers are like, well, we're not sure, you know, now if you if you come to, you know, even like homeschool alternatives, if you come for one or two classes, the public school can count you as an enrolled student. And so there's just lots of ways to to, you know, cook the numbers to make it look like they haven't left in droves, like I think in many cases they have. So that's a long answer to your questions, Harry. I hope it, that's satisfied. Yeah. If, if you don't mind, I'd like to just share a little bit here. People are leaving the public school, but in the same time, they are paying for the destruction of the rest of the students who are in our public schools, which are larger numbers than what we are. We are living in America, and believe it or not, I believe that people of Egypt have more, have more freedom today than most Americans. If what is happening in America right now is happening in Egypt, with all the garbage they're teaching our children, just take the sex part. Just the sex part. You put this garbage in our public schools in Egypt, trust me, not only is the school will uh, will uh, will take those children out of the school because they won't teach that they will close the school if the american have backbone and they are paying the money for that school i remember one time i was in a school uh, meeting in, a, in actually a college in orlando where they have been they doing this interface meeting and we went there and we had a camera in the building in the room to record what they're talking about two cameras and the uh, leader, the minister, who, by the way, commits suicide after being caught with a little girl sleeping with a little girl in his church for a long time. He committed suicide just last year. He demanded that we turn the camera off. You know what I did? I said, I'm sorry. I don't have blue or green eyes. I don't have white skin. I am an Egyptian-American. I said, that light bulb above your head and the room you're using and the chair you're sitting on and the table you're, you're sitting on right now, is paid by my money. It's my money. This is my building. That's electric bill. That's a water bill. That's every bill you pay in the school. It's paid money. We're not going to turn the camera off. It's a public place. You invited us. It was an open invitation. We're going to record it. What are you going to do with this camera afterwards? I said, we're going to put it on YouTube for the whole world to see the greatness of the interface meeting or the garbage lies you put mm -hmm. in your interface meeting. This is how the American people should speak. When we don't speak up, they will walk on us with their shoes. That school can be turned to a Christian school. The, the public school can be turned to a private school. If the parents who are paying the money for the building, for the school teacher's salary, for the books to be printed, for everything. It is, I pay $1,400 every, every year, $1,500 a year in my, in my uh, tax every year for the school board. And I don't have a word for it. And by the way, my son was homeschooling. So I've been paying now for the last 30 years, and I don't have a word. Well, you know what? That's fine. You stop paying your money towards the school. Just write a small piece of paper. All the conservative, godly parents, when you make your taxes minus whatever you're supposed to pay, to be paid when you change the school to make it a, a right school, to teach what I want you to teach my children, my grandchildren. Trust me. If one year 
All the American people did not base the fund for the school. The school will be kissing, not our hands. They'll be kissing our feet. What do you want me to teach your children? They do this in Egypt, but they cannot do this in America today. That is no sense whatsoever. We're losing our schools because we choose not to get involved or not stand bold and ask for our rights as parents, as grandparents, as people who pay the money for the school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So thank thank you for that, Osama. So, so one more question in that same vein, uh, Deborah, from your experience, how big of a factor is money for school boards? How much of an influence is that on their decision-making? And when I say money, I'm talking about federal dollars. Right. Um, well, well, clearly money, money is everything. Uh, but I also know that the, I think the progressive movement, just to be very honest, is so committed now to this path that they've, that they've been on now for a couple decades that they will find alternative forms of funding. Not to disagree with what Osama said. I think if there was a strategic coordinated effort to um, withdraw children such that all that money, they weren't getting the allocation. I'm not sure if your listeners understand how public schools are funded by enrollment numbers for which they get an allocation from the federal government and state. It's a combination of funds um, to run their programs. And so, but I, I heard anecdotally just a couple months ago that there was a local school district that lost hundreds of children and the state has stepped in to backfill the funding loss so that education can go on as as promised as committed now i don't think they could do that for years and years but i know they're pretty committed to not changing their agenda so it would take a concerted effort over time but i think Osama's right i think with an organized effort to strategically channel money into education that we support as parents, as conservative Christian parents, it would have an impact. But I think it's running for school board office. It's getting elected so that people like Osama don't have to drive for however many hours and be denied five minutes. That's absurd. But that's, again, our fault. Why haven't we been running? Why haven't we aggressively pursued uh, local seats and city government, county government, school boards? We need to do this. Um, I think it's so interesting. It's sort of this inversely proportional. We've got public schools out here and probably the same all over that are magnificent edifices. They've got food courts. They've got fountains. They've got fields that rival professional athletes. We've, we've got, there are these magnificent multi-million dollar buildings. And it's like this glittering edifice, but inside it's just rotten. And I, I just, it almost feels inversely proportionate, right? If we could yeah. put enough yeah. money into the facility then and then the the public will just be like, ooh, ah, I can't wait to send my kid to the shiny new school. And they ignore the garbage that takes place day in and day out in those schools. So I think one outcome of the schools, and I shared this with you just before we started, but let me mention it briefly so your readers yes. or your, yes. your mm-hmm. viewers can look at this. Uh, yesterday, the Cultural Research Center at Arizona um, Christian University, uh, Foundation for Freedom, George Varna, it's his work, came out with a study that shows nearly one third of US millennials identify as gay or transgender and almost half that demographic demographic group prefers socialism over capitalism. Um, This study found 39% of people between the ages of 18 and 24 now identify as LGBTQ. And that is a result directly in my opinion of the indoctrination of the public school system that has redefined marriage and family, redefined human sexuality, redefined sex as no longer a biological reality. I mean, we've unmoored children from every absolute that shapes identity. We have deconstructed humanity so that you no longer even know if you're male or female. Yes. Um, I'm not sure where they're headed next, but um, that's the result of a rotten public school system. Amen. Amen. So, Usama, thank you. Thank you, Deborah. I want to end on this note. Listen, uh, Spencer, here's what the media is not reporting. Here's what the media is not reporting. Pushing back on power-hungry school boards. If you know where to look and to read, 
there is a groundswell of parents that are getting engaged finally. Now, it, it'd be easy to say too little, too late. Well, get engaged anyway and see what you can do in the district in which you live. See what you can accomplish. You've got to run for school board. I would even suggest that you start a recall of those school board members that are that are being that are standing against what we're trying to do as Christian parents. Do what you can and get other parents organized. If you can't get any 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 uh, ground in the church, go outside the church. Don't yeah. let the church or pastors be an obstacle. Go around those people and find like-minded people who love America. Hmm. And let's get this work done. It, it is enough, brother, enough silent. We have lived the sin of silent for a long time. And that is the worst sin you can ever commit. When you do nothing, when you say nothing, when you see everything going the right, wrong direction. And we will be required by God to answer yes. for every child who did not learn the truth and who been brainwashed with all these lies because we choose to be quiet. Yes, that's exactly right. Amen. When on that note... We'll we'll call this a wrap for the Wisconsin Christian News TV. Thank you, Dr. Deborah. I really appreciate it. And we'll be we'll be chatting with you again. Usama, as always, thank you, brother, for your thank input. You. We'll you. see you next time, folks. Please share this program with your friends and on your social media platforms. WCN TV is the place to be. God bless you. See you next time. Mm-hmm.